Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamflow and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night But before <laughs> we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We not only review Raw, but also SmackDown, NXT 2.0, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bigger quiz, of course on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review Raw from last night. And Sidge, what did you make of it? You know when you have, like, an electrical appliance mm-hmm. and you need to make it work, what do you do? Mm. Like, you know, if you want to make an electrical appliance work... I'd probably get a plug. Plug it in? Speaking of plugs... <laughs> I'm... <laughs> I have written... An exquisite book that will interest any and all fans of All Elite Wrestling. <laughs> it is available for pre-order now. Pre-order? Shut up. <laughs> it is available for pre-order now on whatculture.bigcartel.com. Mm. It is there on the first page. It is entitled Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW. It chronicles every factor that led towards the formation of the company before giving a... Incredible, if I may say so myself, analytical rundown of the creative that goes behind and informs the success of the numbers. Obviously, you get the numbers, but I'm no Dave Meltzer. But I'll tell you what I am great at, and that is telling you with insight and precision what's so great about the creative. Why did the numbers demolish NXT? Why is this company now competing with the Raw demos? What is so good and so transformative and so brilliant about this company, I have written it down. 120,000 words of incredibly passionate, you know what, maybe even a little bit pretentious, but that's just me. It's written in my voice, which... It's not pretentious. And I was like... <laughs> We've been well, talking, someone's been cutting down trees outside the walk-up shop. There's been a lot of tree-based puns. To me, Cedric Book. Yes. That's right. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> there's already been so many orders. They've had to cut, literally yeah. cut down trees. Uh, whatculture.bigpod... <laughs> Stop laughing. They need to get the full yeah, URL. clean. Whatculture.bigcartel.com to read all about an organisation that is... Way better than the one I'm going to talk about right now. In answer to your question, this episode of Raw, right? Trying to, like, this is a very specific, weird take, but if you know what I mean, you know what I mean. This episode of Raw felt to me like 
Someone in 2016 naively thinking the ship had been righted because they've got a bit more wrestling than they usually get and a few fresher matches than they usually get. And oh, we've got Finn Balor versus Chad Gable. Pretty damn great while it lasted, but these things never do last. That was my take. It was, you'd be naive to think this was a ship being righted. Yeah, it's a weird show to analyze this one because I thought the wrestling, for the most part, was really good. And then at the end of it, I just thought, oh, that was an episode of Raw that I'll have forgotten by this time next week. It was, it was, I genuinely can't believe they are what? Less than three weeks out from Survivor Series and they're just spinning their wheels with this thing. Oh, like staggering lack of promotional effort on the Survivor Series. Quite remarkable, actually, considering what they've, how much they've decimated their own product over the years to get this Raw versus SmackDown concept over. And we're a few weeks away and you wouldn't even know the show was happening. This was NXT 3.0 because it was just a series of, <laughs> a series of matches, albeit longer than the ones we get on Tuesday night, featuring like risible gimmicks for the most part, just not quite as cartoonish as the ones we get on NXT that was broadly fine, mm. like a broadly fine wrestling show. But you you have to, I don't want to be like overly critical when I don't have to be, but you do have to view this in the context of everything else. You have mm. to view this in the context of how rubbish SmackDown was or how typically awful Raw is. And you have to remember that just because this match was really good, and I'm genuinely looking forward to like praising some of the work on this show. Um, and just because your favorite wrestler might be next in line to get a title shot. And there was a big moment for that on this episode of Raw. You know, a lot of people were willing this little feud to happen for a while. Why have faith that it's going to be any good? Mm. Um, it was only on yesterday's preview when Cedric made the point. It was like, we, we were talking about um, Big E and Seth Rollins, I think it was, as the match that would be really great until you're three matches deep and you no longer care about the eventual outcome because we've seen everything they can possibly do. Not only does that exist... They've now set another one of those up for Big E with an entirely different wrestler. And we've already had one of the matches on this show. And you know it's the first of several. And you wherever the twists and turns take you, you're kind of going to have your enthusiasm beaten out of you for at the end. This was a good night. But let's not pretend it was the kind of post-pay-per-view dynamite where a whole new set of things get set up. It was just a, a half-decent Raw for a change. It's never going to be the norm. Have it's never, ever going to be the norm. Have they been the Raw versus SmackDown thing off? That was my prevailing thought watching this. And I'm not, not in favor no, of it. It's it, it, Yeah, it wouldn't hurt if it was gone, would it? But Becky Lynch two weeks ago said, I'll see one of you at Survivor Series. Yeah. I know, but the plans change. You're not allowed to say that, even though it's demonstrably yeah. true. You're not allowed to say that. Everybody hates everything and anything can be dropped. So yeah, maybe. Maybe they're just, maybe they're just the colored t-shirts haven't shown up yet. So like, yeah. until, <laughs> until the big red t-shirts come along, God, then we can't do anything. Gallons like. of goo. Yeah, honestly, like, it, should we just dye the goo? Should we dye the goo red or blue? It baffles me. I know, you know, we come in and, you know, fly by the seat of our pants sometimes, right? But generally we know Monday is a review of SmackDown and Rampage and then Tuesday is like the Raw review and NXT preview. You know, it go on and on and WWE, the biggest wrestling company in the world, feels like it constantly turns around and goes, wait, when's Survivor Series? <laughs> like, they haven't organized it. Like, they haven't released a bloody pay-per-view schedule for next year. They always turn around and go, oh, bollocks, there's a pay-per-view coming up. Who could have seen this one coming? It's astonishing to me that they, like, I'm not a fan of brand warfare, 
but let's establish people wanting to compete for the team of the show that they're on, even though it's preposterous. Major 2018 energy about the promotion of the last Saudi Arabia show. They didn't bother with uh, October time-filling pay-per-view because Crown Jewel was it. They apparently haven't bothered with Survivor Series because Crown Jewel was it. We had Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. We had the triple threat for the women's title. Um, Big E versus Drew McIntyre. On a non uh, brand versus brand Survivor Series, all of these matches would have been big deals for a show that they consider big four. They've happened where the money is. They've gone on the show. This was a reminder. The, the COVID-related break has served to reset the Saudi Arabia deal, and it's not Undertaker fighting for frozen piss trophies. It's the biggest things we've got in one of the biggest shows we promote. But that's We're going to get 50-man rumbles again, or we're going to get Roman versus Brock, or... What was it? Tyson Fury did one of them. There was a period where mm. they were suddenly the be-all and end-all. We're heading back there again, and the Survivor Series is just going to be something else to suffer from that. But this isn't TLC. They've got rid of TLC. Aside from maybe a takeover towards the end of this year, this is the last WWE pay-per-view of the year, and it's an afterthought. Yeah. It's odd. I've got no idea the direction, and, and that should be more intriguing than it is. Undertaker's coming back. Like we, uh, people don't like when I do this, but I've got a book to plug. On the subject of AEW, the book of which you can pre-order right now on whatculture.bigcartel.com. I want to learn how those oak trees grew from such little acorns. Shut up. <laughs> I, to be honest, I look at AEW sometimes, I can't see wood for the trees, so I think, oh, I'll read this book. There you go. Fair play to Tone Tree Con. <laughs> there are certain weeks when we review Dynamite and we're thinking, they've got a pay-per-view in about five, six or seven weeks. How are these parts going to converge along the way? And you think, as the weeks go by, oh, oh that's going to happen. He's going to beat him to have a match with him. Oh, that's all very good. This is a bit like that, except you've got no faith in the destination whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into it. Let's start at the beginning of the show. They had a really nice video package to open it, hyping up Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship. And I was like, yep, can't wait for that main event at the end of this show. <laughs> Nope, they started the show with it. Um, beforehand, uh, there was interviews with uh, Sarah Shriver chatting to both competitors. Belair, she said, yeah, I wasn't ready for Becky Lynch at SummerSlam. I'd prepared for Sasha Banks. I was excited to face Becky, and then 26 seconds later, I didn't have my title anymore. But the experience has made her stronger. Uh, Lynch has lost sight of what it takes to be champion. She couldn't stand that I rose to the top while she was out. Uh, but I've always showed up, showed out. Mania, Rumble, and now tonight. She basically says she's going to leave as Raw Women's Champion. Uh, Lynch, in response, after Belair makes her way to the ring, says uh, Belair only rose to the top because she wasn't around to stop her. Uh, she was doing push-ups the day after she gave birth. Nobody understands how hard it is to be her and live her lifestyle. People didn't appreciate her, and that just motivated her to beat Belair again. And like I said, the show started with this Raw Women's Championship match, and it was really enjoyable, I thought, Becky and, and Bianca work really well together. Uh, early on, uh, Lynch tries to use the hair to yank Belair into the post, but Belair reverses it and pulls Becky into the post and gives her a vertical suplex outside the ring. Uh, and then Lynch posted Belair as we went to the break. When we came back, uh, Belair's fighting back. She dodges a leg drop. She hits drop kicks, a vertical suplex, a delayed vertical suplex. Uh, gets a near fall off that and a near fall after a gut buster. Uh, Lynch is trying to put Belair in the disarmor, but Belair in that insane show of strength that she often does just hoisters, hoists her up and then they go spilling to the outside over the top. 
uh, and we go to another break. Come back, and uh, Belair's got Lynch up for a vertical suplex. Lynch counters it. She tries for an armbar, but Belair tries to reverse it, and uh, Lynch just sits down and gets a near fall off the back of that. Uh, Belair uses that press slam of hers that always looks so good on Becky Lynch. Goes for a moonsault. Lynch gets her knees up, uh, and Lynch hits her with a huge manhandle slam, but they're right next to the ropes, and Belair manages to put her foot on it to break the fall. Lynch goes after Belair on the outside, but Belair hoys her into the announce table, gets her back in the ring, two count, glam slam, another two count. Belair finally gets Lynch in position for the KOD, but Lynch is grabbing onto the rope. She's scrambling to hold onto anything to avoid getting pulled into the center of the ring. And as she gets pulled into the center of the ring, she pulls off the turnbuckle cover, gets out, slips off uh, Belair's shoulders, sends her into the exposed turnbuckle, rolls her up, grabs the tights, and gets the victory. Belair, unfortunately, losing a title match yet again. You know, there was a banana skin. There was, you know, an excuse. But is this sort of the end of the line? What well, seemed to be suggested later on for Belair challenging for that title for a while. I think so, because I think it has to be. I want to be negative before I'm otherwise very positive on all of this. I admired the intent of the promos before the match because it's a numbers game. The reason this didn't go on last is because Raw's a numbers game and they wanted... This is the best thing they had going for it, so they wanted to use it as a hook, get people in early and hopefully keep them there. Um, I was relieved that this got a finish because normally when this goes on first, you think, oh, it's gone on last as well. Yeah. So we're going to get half a match, then we're going to get the 4-1 in the main. They committed to it right the way through. Um, the promos were so great in intent because it felt like a big fight. You've got the two... Um, wrestlers speaking about why this specific match is important to them, why the challenger wants the belt back, why the champion wants to defend it. What both of those promos to me betrayed is who these two characters are. I cannot bear Bianca Belair being the gutsy underdog. I don't know how they've done this to her. They literally use that awful graphic system they've got to write EST and everything that she's the EST of. None of these promos talk about her being the EST. Like, unless it's luckiest, mm. you know, like, it's just, I, I cannot fathom how, and she says it herself, how they got from Royal Rumble and WrestleMania Bianca Belair to this Bianca Belair today. That is a objective to me failing of this storyline. And that is a shame. And that's a job, as usual in WWE, work they've created for themselves. How do we get Bianca Belair back? Because we have, like, willfully lost her. Similarly, Becky Lynch is this heel that is still getting mixed reactions. Huge pap when well, she won the... When she won the match. Why? Because she comes out and she tells you how awesome she is. And she is. She's doing push-ups the day after she's given birth. Like, women that come back to wrestling after having babies are superhumans. The likes of which, like, the male wrestlers never have to contend with. And she's coming back and she's fighting hard a lot of the time. Yes, she cheats. And I'm going to talk about that in a second within the match. But she's still working incredibly hard at this. And there was nothing particularly dirty about the SummerSlam win. Yes, she punched her in the face. But she beat her with a wrestling move in 26 seconds. So they're not doing enough to establish... Like, daft glasses and jackets and all that are no good when the words are still the ones you want to believe in. You can be big-time Bex in look, but when you're the man in your verbiage, people are just going to gravitate to that. And there's there's far too deep a relationship with Becky Lynch's babyface character to have this be convincing as a heel. And that's on the fault of the people scripting this gimmick because they're just not getting it. The match, however, I loved. I'm really, really into Becky Lynch working as a heel, and I'm almost sad that we didn't get more of it in that original incarnation of the man. She is a credit to the belt she carries even when they make her swap it. Mm -hmm. She's a credit to the division and the main events they give her because she is showing her vast experience. She's been doing this 10, 15 years, much of it outside the performance center. 
She's not working like a WWE robot. She's tweaking everything she used to do that got the crowd so invested as a baby face, and she's doing it as a heel. It's where she puts the things in the matches compared to where she used to do them. So the things that used to pop are now the things that bring the crowd back down because you've got Bianca Belair. And again, I'm not necessarily in favour of her fighting from underneath. I'd much rather see the strength spots like you highlighted mm. or the, the freakish moments where you realise that Bianca Belair is this very special athlete. But Becky Lynch... Dropping her stuff in as cutoffs instead of the big rise that she used to get is just inspired. I love watching her work as a heel. I loved the finish in this match. WWE has is so has got such a wretched record with finishes that they make you forget that, well, this is kind of how heels are supposed to win. Mm-hmm. Like the roll-up has been bastardized, but pushing somebody into an exposed turnbuckle goes right the way back to the 80s and yeah. the 90s. I was thinking of Shawn Michaels winning the Intercontinental title when he pushed British Bulldogs back like, into the exposed turnbuckle, because it was there. It was opportunistic. Like, WWE have ruined... Like, this will get a lot of people saying, there's WWE again taking a cheap way out. Nah, heels look for the opportunities, and Becky Lynch is this character now. She does it throughout the body of the match. She does it at the end of the match, because it's supposed to sell that she's given her a best, and she can't get it done. So I liked everything from construction to execution of this. thought it completely delivered on expectations. I am a little bit sad that... Bianca Belair is going to get lost in the shuffle for several months as a result of it. She is almost a victim of this. But um, every now and then, because of the wrestlers, WWE is good in spite of itself, and I think that was the case here. I've got all sorts of thoughts on this. My initial prevailing one is that Bianca Belair is knackered. I can't believe we're looking at this show that they've got Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley, and they're like, well... Into the mid-card, you go. Yeah, the three champions, them two, and Raka Gonzalez after WrestleMania. And we said it then. And look at where we are with all three of those now. Doomed. When I say she's doomed and knackered, what I mean by that is she's doomed and knackered in the same way Asuka was, where after a big definitive, that's it, defeat, she did nothing for ages. And then, because nothing means anything, and no one really gets stigmatized, because if you stigmatize one performer in this company, you have to do it to everyone. So in about a year's time... Uh, incredible talent will transcend the terrible creative and she'll get another turn and she'll get over because she's Bianca Belair. But for now, right now, she's knackered. And she's knackered for plethora of reasons. I love plethora. Taz is bringing that back into the lexicon. (laughs) I love the way he says it. Because after being soundly defeated by a performer that the fans are more connected with, there's no real desire to see her come and chase after the title. And this feud, being a WWE feud, has already spent, what, upwards of an hour in the ring already across three, four matches. Mm. There's no appetite for the big comeback story because we've been overwhelmed by the content that is WWE as a content factory now. The comp book. This feud has not been very good outside of the ring whatsoever. Plagued by cheap finishes, Mm -hmm. really carny means of prolonging everything. And if they can't book the top of the card, which they've traditionally always cared about more than the mid-card, then they can't book a mid-card. Bianca Belair, who she got a feud with following this, Carmella and Zelina Vega, she was dicking about with them in the summer on SmackDown to pretty disastrous effect. (laughs) So there's nothing interesting for her to do in the meantime. There's no appetite for her to do things in the meantime with one eye cast towards the big redemption against the person they like more in Becky Lynch. So she's knackered. For about a full calendar year, I would say she's knackered. Now, the match itself, I was into it for the right and the wrong reasons. One, the fact that it went early, I'm thinking, 
you can't possibly do some kind of angle. Like, this is Bianca's night. So I was on tenterhooks on sort of a meta level thinking, oh, they're going to screw this up and they're going to court a disaster. They didn't do that. They gave you a finish. At the same time, I was thinking, well, there's two options here. Either a nice, good, earned thing happens, the baby face prevails, or you get... If, if brand warfare yeah. is happening, we are apparently going to get Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair <laughs> for that sweet, sweet meta heat that genuinely I'll be banging to. So I was on the hook for the match on those terms and indeed for the body of work that they assembled in it. What I really liked about it is that the performers care so much more about the process than McMahon or the writers ever could. And if you are prepared... They're the only things left to trust, aren't they? And They're uh, the only things left to trust. If you are prepared, and a lot of people aren't, and I have to do this for work, but if you're prepared to just strip all that away and just think, there are wrestlers, I really like wrestling, I will support them because it's one thing to say, oh, this company's terribly booked. I will just abandon it. I can understand that's harder for some than it would be for me in an alternate reality where I didn't work here. Because as rubbish as it is, there are still people you really like who mm. wrestle there. And if you can get into it on that level, yes, it was great. Just one little snapshot of the kind of story they were telling here. They happened upon that... Um, disarmer into the deadlift spot on the house show circuit. They've established that as his good pop. And then he go, <gasps> when you see that Becky Lynch reverses it with a head scissors mm. over the top rope. Like, I love that spot. I think it was great. It paid off some of the stuff that they've established previously. And then Bianca Blair's knackered. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Aside from an unorthodox tag team where she goes from here, well, you sense that by WrestleMania, maybe her and Rhea Ripley will have swapped places and they'll do Rhea versus Becky, maybe. She's going to be the captain of Team Raw because we are the redest. Yes. <laughs> That's the, and they're going to say, oh, she's fixed now. And then she'll have now to do until... They made Bailey the captain of Team SmackDown last year once the Sasha Banks feud is finished because it was like, we have nothing. Yeah. Now, like, she's not going to be on the WrestleMania card, but we'll give her Survivor Series till the end of the season. <laughs> Uh, right, we go backstage with Kevin Patrick. Uh, he's there with the Mysterios. Uh, Ray talked about what happened with Austin Theory uh, last week, and his son, he says, look, Austin Theory's talented. He's also disrespectful. He was proud how his son Dominic stepped up to him last week. Uh, and uh, in comes Theory. Say, look, it's a, a big honor. Ray Mysterio is a hero to him. It sucks that they didn't get to take that selfie uh, last week. Maybe he'll get it tonight after he beats him up like he beat up his son. Dom says to uh, Austin, show my daddy some respect or something along those lines. And then we got the match, Austin Theory versus Rey Mysterio. i got to say, I love how they are booking Austin Theory on the main roster. It's one of the few, along with Damian Priest, although more on him in a bit, one of the few NXT success stories. Start off uh, fast, Rey Mysterio hits him with Hurricane Rana, sends him into the corner. Theory fights back, hits a suplex. Uh, there was also a nice spot where Theory had Ray on his shoulders and Dominic got involved and spun his dad around to allow him to hit a Tornado DDT, which was nice. And the ref sort of saw it and just went, careful you. No, it wasn't a DQ. Uh, but later on, uh, Ray's fighting back, drops uh, Austin Theory on the turnbuckle, uh, hits a crossbody, gets a near fall. Theory fights back, gives a... Drop kick to Ray and then, uh, sorry, gives a back drop to Ray and a drop kick to Dominic. And then Ray sets up, drops Theory on that middle rope. He's in the position for the 619. And just before he hits it, Dominic punches Theory in the face. Ray Mysterio hits the 619, goes to the cover, but the ref had seen the punch and calls for a DQ. It's developing this, Sige. Dom costing his dad against Austin Theory. And I like the way Austin Theory, as they were arguing afterwards, walked to the back, taking selfies of the uh, further cracks 
amongst the Mysterio family. I don't know what to make of this. Because at the same time, it's nice that they are doing something vaguely ambitious. And not for the first time on this show, where they try to, and I'm not going to say the word, but they try to do a few things at once. <laughs> try to, like, bring together two storylines, yeah. shall we say, right? But at the same time, it's like, you've got a heel. You've got a heel that is a bit savvier with his, like, cathartic slapstick cells and his stupid inability to realize when he's going to get dropped. Like, he's a good bumper, quite savvy, prodigious, if you like, Austin Theory. Mm. I'm not as high on him as some of the early reports of, like, well, we've got the next Randy Orton. I think is a mid-card heel. He's got real potential at the stage of his career. So why? And I know why, because I want to advance a second story at the same time, but, you know, tell two good stories at the same time if you're going to get ambitious, because <laughs> I don't know why you would, like, cast a spell of confusion over this when you've got a heel who's really good at being a heel, and you effectively babyface him in, what, his third <laughs> match on Raw by Dominic Mysterio being a little prick? <laughs> like, I don't want to sympathize with Austin Theory for several reasons. <laughs> And I almost did. I thought, I, I came out of this thinking that Dominic Mysterio is a little tosser, where realistically, when you are, what, in week three, week, shh, stop it, off camera, off mic, <laughs> he's, doing a, he's doing an electric chair motion. It's like, you know, um, that episode of the US office when um, Michael Scott is going to, like, improv class. Yeah. And he, and he always <laughs> has to win by getting a gun. He's got a gun. He's like, what did he say? He says, I got a gun. And the guy's like, and the guy's absolutely <laughs> apathetic at this point. Adam Wilborn is doing like electric chair driver <laughs> motions off mic. In th three weeks of the Austin Theory push, which in itself, the fact that it's lasting means that they do think a lot of them, which in turn helps your investment. They're already making me think that someone in the angle in the match is a bigger dickhead than he is. Don't do that. Like, that's silly. I, I get where you're coming from. He's. Obviously, what they've tried to do here is they're trying very hard to keep the Mysterios split as a Shades of Grey thing. They want you to not really take a side yet, even when it seems inevitable that it'll be Dominic that'll be the little is prick the idea heel. That Austin Theory was such a dick. Yeah, he was antagonized. He's such a dick that he antagonized Dominic into yeah. making the mistake because Dominic. Yeah, I just don't like Dominic. It, yeah, I think he's. Dominic's really wooden, but they're proceeding with the storyline. As the like, ultimately, when he's ev like eventually turns, but you always go with the guy who's more entertaining, irrespective of their character alignment. So I just think anything that Dominic Mysterio's touches is going to turn to rubbish. It's, it's going to be he's going to be a Baron Corbin type heel because there's going to be absolutely nothing to like about him once he's not wrestling in tandem with his dad. Um, I, I really enjoyed this again because I just felt like I was getting to watch a bit like the opening match, but the story's marginally better. I was getting to watch the wrestlers be sort of trusted in their roles and do them to the best of their abilities which sounds like a bit of a dig at Dominic's expense, but like Austin Theory is a great greasy creep. Mm. He's just, he's so good he's in this creep. role. And they know, they know how to book these characters. You know, most of them were or are greasy creeps around Vince McMahon's top table. So they can relate to Austin Theory and can book him as such. They love the Mysterio drama. Um, you know, we've already forecast when the turn's going to happen, so we don't need to go into that again. Exactly, yeah. But they love the building of this drama. And Dominic, I, again, I wish... WWE hadn't spent 20 years as massive hacks ruining all of the good finishes because there is absolutely nothing wrong with uh, with Theory as a heel being more than happy to take this DQ win and prodding 
Dominic Mysterio into earning him an easy night at disqualification. That sort of stuff was great once upon a time, but they've ruined everything about what they do. So you watch this and you just think, oh, yeah, it's a DQ finish because that's what happens on Monday Night Raw. This was a pretty logical DQ finish. The referee was given, you know, this is a criticism of AEW sometimes, isn't it? They don't deliver DQs as often as they can, mm-hmm. but then the lengths you have to go to for the referee to miss stuff or whatever to, to avoid that thing happening can sometimes, like, break your immersion a little bit. It didn't hear. The referee, old Brit Res thing, old like sort of world of sport. He gave him a public warning. You get your one. Heel's got one chance to not do it again or interfering from the outside. Mm-hmm. Dominic blew it because he's young and he's, you know, like... A bit in- of a plank. Move on. Because of the wood stuff earlier, Suge. That our entire listenership has got no idea about. They're not involved. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that we sort of... We were like the minigag earlier on by saying... There were trees cut down outside the window. <laughs> That's the sort of stuff that will dominate the discourse at a day in the walk culture office. <laughs> if it's not Murray dropping a crazy frog, it's a tree being cut down. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. I'll be honest, I just said that just to try and avoid getting to this next very long talking segment with Seth Rollins, Big E, and Kevin Owens. Out comes Seth in a 
suit, certainly something. Uh, he's got a big raw folder, big red raw folder with him. Uh, he says, "This is your thing." <laughs> he says, uh, "We all know him. We all know he's not the type of person to come out and toot his own horn, but." Yeah, he's got a purpose, and actually, seeing as he is here, I'll just mention that I'm on top of the world. Cloud9, because last week I defeated three former top-tier world champions to earn a shot of the title, and he says this contract holding up that folder um, basically guarantees that we are looking at the next champion. This brings out the WWE champion himself, Big E. Um, He says, when Seth won last week, I wanted to congratulate it to you, but... Seth turned his back on him, and that's, that's bothered him. Uh, he said Rollins laughed in his face and slinked off like the Pink Panther. What reference was that? Where's that been pulled from? Anyway. Vince's worm-brained mind. Yes. Pink Panther's very topical, isn't it? <laughs> Pop culture of the 1960s. Uh, uh, he asked his, uh, his aunt for some guidance, and she said there's something deeply wrong in the mind of Seth. That boy is touched, she said. Um... Seth says, I remember asking you for a match, Biggie, and you said I needed to earn it, as if you don't know that I'm Seth freaking Rollins. And then after Seth won the match, he went to shake the hand of Biggie, but Biggie didn't accept it. He says, Look, you you know, you beat Bobby Lashley, you beat Drew McIntyre, but you are still not on my level. Um why don't you just give me the title so you can go back to being a loser with your loser friends like King Woods and and the man behind Kofi Mania, and this fires Big E up. He says, first of all, respect the king, and second of all, put some respect on one of the greatest moments in WWE history, Kofi Kingston winning the title at WrestleMania. Gets a nice reaction that. And he says, you know what? Fine, you want a title shot? Why don't we settle it tonight? Why don't we have a title match tonight? And Rollins asks the crowd, do you want to be the main event? <laughs> uh, CM Punk has told you that all of this is bad. I don't know. Don't take it from me. Take it from the guy that you wanted back in WWE until he went AEW, then you don't like him anymore. <laughs> I, I checked. Do you know what the main event would have been if we're going, you know, backwards, as in the last match that wasn't hot shot on the night? It would have been the no DQ match with Damian Priest and uh, T Bar. <laughs> I rest my case. So you were wrong about T Bar all along, Citric. <laughs> um, so Rollins is asking, do you want to see the title, you know, title match tonight? He says, yeah, of course you bloody would, because I'm not 100%. I've just competed in a ladder match. I barely recovered from the Hell in a Cell match beforehand. Seems fine to me, walking down to the ring. I mean, I know he's a heel, <laughs> but yeah. him saying that just shines a light on how nothing is sold. Uh, so Kevin Owens interrupts at that point. He says, everyone wants to call themselves the face of Raw, including you two. He says, look, he's a great champion. Rollins, you're a delusional dumbass. Uh, he says, look, uh, Becky Lynch. Such a bit, like, delusional dumbass. Like, delusional uh, Vince alliteration all day, that, wasn't it? Um, he's chuffed with himself, the old bastard. Yeah. <laughs> he says, uh, Bianca Belair, they can, she can make a claim. Becky Lynch, you probably know her, Seth. She can make the claim, but everyone's forgetting about his handsome face. He might not have won last week. Uh, oh, sorry, he says, Rollins might have won last week, but all anyone was talking about was uh, my performance. I know I haven't won last week or recently at all, but I was going to keep, he was going to keep fighting, uh, give the fans something to remember whether he's here for three months or three years. And he suggested, Hi, Bam. He suggested, <laughs> why doesn't he face Big E for the first time ever? Rollins tries to get involved. Owens tells him to shut up because nobody ever wants to hear from him. And Big E accepts Owens' challenge with a reference to Mount Rushmore. Was that some AEW breadcrumbs you thought, Sage, from this? And what did you make of the juju promo train this week? 
I mean, it was a half-decent version of Old Rope. Um, found the light that sometimes be a bit, uh, we know what's going on. It's like you don't. You've got the thinnest idea of what's going on. You don't realise it's quite an indictment that people are going to go, oh, Christ, thank God Kevin Steen's going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> By being clever. Being, like, clever with the promo here. It's a good job that it appears that Kevin Owens is going to turn heel on his way out and put over Big E because I thought he was a right dick at the start. <laughs> it's like, I know you can't take personally what the fictional characters say on the fictional TV show, particularly when they have no governance over what themselves do, what they themselves do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, I know you're following the script, but this is how things get under and not over because I resent you indirectly, even though it's not your fault. Because... As a baby face, you've got no claim to this. You had one last week, and you got beat. Don't brag about the spectacular way in which you were beat, because you got beat. <laughs> if anything, it makes everyone else look good and clever for making you fall on these horrendously sharp objects. <laughs> like, don't make me resent you for the bumps you took last week, which I saw in MP4 clips, because I didn't watch what I didn't have to. It was great. <laughs> and they made me resent Kevin Owens, but for a purpose... I thought it was just halfway decent in terms of, one, slowly planting the idea that Kevin Owens is going to turn heel. Mm-hmm. Two, making the somewhat incredibly drab prospect of Seth Rollins versus Big E not a formality that we have to do loads of promos to get to. And another little tiny detail I liked, and they didn't point it out on commentary, but I would like to think that it was just a little thing that was put in the ether. By Big E. What happened after the very specific res- uh, Kofi Mania moment that they pointed out in this promo? Kevin Owens turned on the New Day. Mm-hmm. Big E remembers that and was incredibly reluctant to buy into Kevin Owens' thing later on. That's a good point. What did you, I didn't even think of that. Uh, what do you think of it all, Hamlet? Uh, like a real promo or two halves for me. I wish the calendar would rush more so I knew what Kevin Owens was doing with his goddamn <laughs> life. I was very worried when I heard that line that he's kind of mentally committed to WWE for a few more years. And, and fair play, like we always talk about this. He's got kids. He's probably got a nice life. He might just want to do that. Yeah, but Tony Khan's not really going to pay much, is he? <laughs> <laughs> but like the open acknowledgement of it got me a little bit concerned that, oh, if they're talking about it, does that mean that like a deal's halfway done and mm. not going to go? Because of course I want to go to AEW. Um, but I, I liked the Kevin Owens segment of this as much as I disliked the Seth one. The Seth stuff was just like, what are we doing here? Just WWE autopilot rubbish. You could just... <laughs> you just... Go, send a baby face out there. One more for there. the third hour. <laughs> <laughs> send a baby face out there. Send a heel out there. And like Woody from Toy Story, just pull the strings on both of them. Uh, uh, shut up, man! <laughs> Thanks, Oliver. Uh, just pull the strings on the pair of them because what they're saying, yes, it makes sense, just about. But who gives a fuck? <laughs> like honestly, like honestly, <laughs> like I, Seth Rollins has won the, the title match that he fought tooth and nail for, but not tonight. <laughs> like I'm ill from the ladder match and the Hell in a Cell match. Yeah, but you weren't. You were selling the Hell in a Cell, but you still worked the ladder match. So you wanted the title match. Like he was got tremendous. Fittingly, given that Crown Jewel's the new mania, effectively, yeah. this has got tremendous modern-day backlash energy. Of yeah. Solid hand, dependable guy, B-plus player, get him in a feud with the new champ. He all just does that thing. There's always, a like, every babyface, no matter how brutalized they are by the WWE system, will typically have had one thing in their storyline life where 
the fans just will never give up on them for it. So if in doubt, mention that thing. It's like it's sort of a version of Mick Foley's cheap pop in the town he was in. But it's because WWE wrestlers just have these exhaustingly long careers. You just go back to the LinkedIn profile and find something that he was unanimously beloved. In the case of all the members of the New Day, it's being in the New Day. <laughs> so you just throw them out there, and no matter what they're up to, if you talk about the New Day's history or you talk about their bond that cannot be broken by WWE's ineptitude, then you're going to get a pop. So Seth having a go at Kofi Mania isn't really Seth having a go at Big E because what that would expose is that they've not given enough to Big E's character yet to have mm. something that Seth Rollins can actually pick on. They can't pick on the fact that he can't beat people because he's just beaten Drew McIntyre clean as a whistle. They can't pick on the fact that he's a paper champion because he's not, because he's been happy to defend it against all comers. So it's like, well, what can we have a go at? We can have a go at one of his friends because people have got investment in that, you know? But it's just, it feels to me so sterile and cheap because if it was any other babyface, they'd look for that one thing mm. that people liked about them once and that just that was what that came across to me. I thought the Owen stuff was better because yes, I thought that uh, if it is coming to the end of Owen's time in WWE, a short-term heel run to put Biggie yeah. over is far from a waste of his energy. You could probably get two or three decent last-minute Kevin Owens like half out the door heel promos. Like I'm willing to die for in that belt, and if you haven't seen that before, you haven't been watching. And then he falls on his sword. He loves match. He always talks about them as toys, doesn't he? Like what can he assemble in this last big match? Um, or let's say if it's on January the 1st or something, some big TLC stunt show where he just gives his body the, the big E calls. Why not? Like That's actually pretty resourceful, as it was with Daniel Bryan, pretty resourceful use of a guy that you think we're maybe not going to be able to resign this, so let's get the most out of him. Uh, we continue by going backstage. Uh, new friendship continuing on Monday Night Raw between Carmella and Queen Zelina, who sort of went, <laughs> went oh. a bit Australian oh. on occasion here. I didn't write down everything. So they're getting along. They're, they're pretty. Everyone else isn't pretty. Blah, blah, blah. They bump into the women's tag team champions, uh, Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H. And Selena Vega says, oh, I like your, your mask, Nikki. It really compliments your face. An opposite land. <laughs> As they walked away. Uh, but Rhea Ripley hears her. And uh, Nikki walks up and says, I don't care what you say. I think the mask's beautiful. And Rhea says, this isn't high school. And the challenge is on for later. Legitimately, probably not for the first or the fourth or the fifth time, directly plagiarizing Mean Girls. Like a direct plagiarism. <laughs> it is high school. It is high school. It is high school. Literally Total and utter plagiarism of a motion picture released in 2003, I believe. Uh, like mean that, Girls yeah. is great, by yeah. the way. I think it's a great film. Uh, what else did I hate about this? You talked about pull the string and the stupid WWE person says a stupid thing. Can Nikki and ASH say anything? Anything in the world other than, well, I do this to show people that they can be whatever they want to be. <laughs> <laughs> say something else! Nikki Bloody Ash. Nikki Bagel. <laughs> it's something less than a one-dimensional archetype character. Well, I used the mask and I designed it myself to show that people can be whoever they want to be. I'm a symbol there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do accents. I can't write books. Order, pre-order, <laughs> becoming all elite, the rise of AEW at whatculture.bigcartel.com. Oh, what a easy life and the most hard life imaginable these creative yeah, writers weird, get. They could just do, oh, right, we've got, we need, um, Spend the afternoon tossing some stuff around for all. Uh, we need Nikki ASH to say something. Just say she does things to inspire people. Cool. Sorted. And then Vincent Mann's like, right, okay, I'm going to rip up 12 variations of that line, tell you're an 
idiot for writing them. And then to do some of the same, because it's, but it's different because it's me. <laughs> yeah, is that. The hardest and the easiest job in the world. What is, what is the one defining quality? And it's not a, an accent, because I dare say Cedric could do a better job than Zelina Vega. But the one defining quality of being a queen is that you sit on your own throne. You are the top of a tree. You are the one. You are the person that everybody bows to, etc., etc., etc. This queen wants to enter the tag division <laughs> with somebody that she has feuded with on another brand. Like there, all of a sudden, best mates. Finally, I'm there. I'm at the top of the ladder. Are you going to challenge Becky Lynch? No, but I want me them double titles. <laughs> Rubbish. Absolute last minute boilerplate nonsense. This is look. We've hauled AW over the coals for this. It's like it's this is probably cruel to like a lot of women that tried very hard in an era that just wasn't for them. Michelle McCool, you're not wrestling enough like a girl, all that sort of stuff. Divas division booking means a certain thing, doesn't it? And this is Divas division booking, as it has been in WWE for way longer than they've had enough criticism for. Because typically, as we've kind of talked about with Bianca Belair, you are fighting for the title or you are doing absolutely all on this show. And this was yet more evidence of it. Mm, we got the match immediately afterwards. Uh, and Rhea Ripley looked good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she uh, dominated. That, that was your brutality. <laughs> she uh, dominated... I mean, they're two on one attacking Zelina Vega because Carmella's busy putting a mask on, but still, Vega gets it. Sorry, Carmella gets in, slaps Rhea, who then just headbutts her. Um, Nikki ASH hit a crossbody off the apron to take us to a break. Uh, the finish was Nikki getting the hot tag, running wild. Uh, Carmella posts Ripley, uh, then distracts uh, Nikki. That allows Zelina to hit the code red, and Queen Zelina and Carmella get the victory. Impossible to care. I mean, the match was wonky, and it's just, they won all the time until they become the champions, at which point they lose. It is just the stupidest thing you've ever seen in your entire life, Yeah, all of the time. Uh, Biggie's in the back. He gets approached by uh, Chad Gable and Otis. Gable says, look, i got to agree with Seth Rollins. You're not championship material, but you could... It could be if you join the Alpha Academy, and Biggie says, I don't want to end up, end up like a walking thumb like Otis. That was a good little <laughs> line, I suppose. Um, look, uh, Gable said, you're going to let Raw become Monday Night Rollins. He's going to beat you. I've just got my Masters from Full Sail, Valley Victorian 4.0, GPO, whatever it is. Congratulations, if that is real, by the way. Uh, and uh, Gable, Gable suggested you should watch me next because I'm facing Finn Balor and I'm going to turn him from a prince to a peasant because of the prince. Yep, got it, Vince. Uh, and then we get a... Uh, I'm not going to say anything about that because then we got a video package uh, revealing that Veer Mahan is coming back to Raw. Just before we talk about Veer Mahan because it's going to be name stuff, can we talk about that Chad Gable promo for just a second? The Bye. Well, I'll tell you why. <laughs> I'll tell you why. They called him Shorty G. It was horrific. The G was a ruler. And they, he got through it and he survived it. I think this promo was entirely designed because they are going to rename him Master Chad because of Gable Steveston. I think Gable has got to go. So I genuinely think in a few weeks he will be called Master Chad. And there's a reference to something in real life. Somebody's going to tell Vince what Chad is. He's going to be called Master Chad because of Gable Steveston. That surname has got to go again and we can't have Shorty G back. And then Virgin Otis. They can have their feud. There you go. <laughs> so then we got the match. Oh, you like, like Chad catches him watching NXT 2.0 and Mandy Rose is like, <laughs> Yeah, Veer Mahan. <laughs> Thoughts? Terrible. I mean, it's a terrible name. 
terrible name. It's just the opposite of the... It's opposite of the usual rubbish they do, and it's just as rubbish. I love their... Like It'll be here in three weeks. It used to be the preserve of WWE, then WWF, to do something as simple as a video of a guy looking dead hard or battering some loser or whatever, and so-and-so is coming. It was like, we've talked about it, it's a little bit Gabo, NXT, Triple H, like, fell on it a little bit too much towards the end. But it was really effective. Like, the Gabo gag is a good one, because a lot of the time it did just work when you're a kid. Yeah. Oh my God, look at that! <laughs> like, <laughs> they, have, they have ruined these. Like, you watch this now, and you just do the partridge shrug. Liam Hunt. Oh, right, right. Like, having a house party, you find out somebody that you don't like is coming. Oh. Via has been to Raw. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and lost. And was stigmatised as whatever. Let's just then uh, move on. Yeah. Just no one, no one tell Vince he's got someone else on the other show called Swerve and then it can be a tag team. <laughs> Vince Swerve. Ooh. Custer. <laughs> uh, so then we get Chad Gable versus Finn Balor. And guess what? This was really good for what it was allowed to be in the six minutes it was given because it's, well, it's Chad Gable and Finn Balor. Um, Chad Gable's, you know, just contor- they ripped off Miller's catchphrase by saying how great the Alpha Academy was. Why? Here's why. The lawyers will be in touch. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's contorting Finn Balor and he's bending all over the place to reverse things. He's got an abdominal stretch, but Balor hip tosses his way out, double stomps Gable's chest. Um, really nice bit of reversals where Gable gets him in the ankle lock. He's trying to sort of grapevine the leg. Uh, then Finn Balor counters that into a cross arm breaker. That gets reversed into the ankle lock again. But then Balor rolls through from the ankle lock and hits another double stomp. Uh, but Gable fights back. German suplexes him, gets a two count, goes up to the top, goes to the moonsault. But Finn Balor puts his knees up. But Balor, whose uh, leg knee has been targeted by Gable, uh, can't get up there quickly enough for the coup de grace. So Chad Gable rushes up, superplexes him back down. But then Balor cradles him and steals the victory. Great for what it was, Sige. Yeah, it was very, very good for what it was. I would like to see more at some point. They didn't exhaust me on the dynamic. Some of the work was just lush. Yeah. God damn it. Chad Gable's great. Finn Balor, who's finally wrestling less like the smiling face geek of 2017 and 2018. Like, he's taken that which he did do very well in NXT to the main roster on brief evidence. Yeah, it was lush technical wrestling. It didn't go long enough to feel like this really great graduating struggle, but as a snapshot of two very talented workers, it was very cruel. Yeah. You're not going to see this, like, get 15 minutes of the next page. Like. Just, yeah, you watch these matches. Like, like I don't want to be overly critical of objectively good work, and it's really tricky to analyse because nothing matters. Like, neither of these characters are going to bounce off of this match into some awesome story that's going to propel them right around Royal Rumble season into being like an outside bet to win that match. Just for example. Can you imagine, sorry, can you imagine AEW doing a Royal Rumble? Oh, Jesus Christ. How many people, you'd, oh, I'm going to tweet that, it's going to get numbers. 30 winners. <laughs> 30 potential winners. Can you imagine like, that? <laughs> like all the stories that they would tell. Like pick your favourite Pat Patterson Rumble and it'd be that, yeah. basically. Like Who would win? Who would win? Yeah. Well, the problem is they'd send everyone out in... Cars. Five and have a I wouldn't know anything that was going on and I'd hate it but it's just I'm going to tweet that now <laughs> it was just like why is Chad Gable a baddie and then I get some absolute knobhead going out there because casino ones aren't very good yeah, it's not the point when they're booked really well and everyone could be a winner because I love won. you've reached the point where you're already <laughs> you're already predicting the troll replies to your own tweets before you've sent the tweet <laughs> yeah, it's, he's more fluid than he is violent. 
his awesome suplexes and his speed and the way in which he can move around another wrestler's body to pick a body part or to dominate them when they weren't expecting it is too like stunning looking to be villainous and yet he is short so Vincent why aren't they in the title picture well it's we RK saw Bro versus them is a, is a straightforward. Oh, that match is going to rule, man! That match is going to be so so what good. Match? RK Bro versus Gable and Otis is going to yes, be fantastic, and we're not going to have the storyline investment, and we're not going to have. It's going to be. It's going to be Riddle saying something like, "Oh, I'm so high, I didn't see you there." Mm. You know, it like it's just going to be nonsense storytelling for the sake of a match that doesn't remotely reflect what we've seen in backstage segments with scooters. Because it's going to rule. It's going to be absolutely... They're going to make the most of Riddle not being able to move Otis. Or like Orton going for the RKO. And Otis just planting his feet. And Orton going flying out the, over the top <laughs> rope. Like that time he broke his collarbone. Because Otis is just so strong. Or Chad Gable grabs his leg or something like that. There's so many cool things they can do. Gable and Riddle's exchanges are going to be out of this world. Um, but he's not a bad guy. And WWE doesn't care. It's this match. A little bit like elements of what they're doing with Becky Lynch. One thing doesn't speak to another mm. because he simply is not a heel. He's just very, very good at this. If you ter- if you had Ricochet come out and cut an each and every one of you promo and then wrestled like Ricochet, WWE would tell you he's a heel yeah. while you'd receive him as a babyface. And that is a problem they've never, ever addressed with Chad Gable. And as much as I liked what I was watching this match, I was it was impossible to feel anything like when they were like, Justin Gabriel's a bad guy. Here's his amazing, spectacular finisher from the top rope. Yeah, like it's you can do it. Like... Any flyer, Kenny Omega's a heel. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can have all this stuff in your arsenal and be a bad guy, but they're not agent in the matches as such. They just 22 know seconds, one like. They can have a, they can book a safe, good wrestling match in the middle of a decent in ring raw and feel like it fits. Uh, let's move on uh, because there was a lovely video um, promoting the fact that Titus O'Neil, genuine nice thing, this uh, has got a uh, an academy named after him at the Sly Middle Magnet School. Uh, it's the Thaddeus M. Bullard Academy. A lovely bloke who deserves everything he gets. Yeah, really awesome, this. And just a, a very, very quick personal aside on Titus O'Neil having a school named after him because he's brilliant. I spent longer than I should... I wanted to just share this good news. And I went looking on Twitter... Um, for a good 10 minutes to find a tweet that wasn't Stephanie McMahon's to retweet because <laughs> I'm not having her philanthropy as a future of marketing get a jot of credit for this. This typically, like I'm amazed this made it onto television because this has got a very uh, Sammy Faseria energy about it. Mm. Somebody being credited that like this could totally exist without WWE because good people are just good people. So it's like, it almost feels like that this one snuck through. It's awesome. You you picked a winner with Titus. Fair play to you, Wilbon. You did. Good guy, good guy, deserves everything. Congratulations to him. Uh, Well-deserved and just a lovely thing. Um, Right, before we get to Ziggler and Rude versus the Street Profits, we had a backstage segment. Now, I could bundle all this together if you want to say one word, potentially. Skip. Oh, thank God. Skip means skip. I've got to mention what happened. There was some dark stuff (laughs) with Riddle. He made a rough, rough pass joke, which was very good, to be fair. Uh, And then uh, Street Profits lost to Ziggler and Rude Ah, because ah, I've not got the sound effect, so I have to drop it in. So it has to be clean when you make the noise. ah, Not yet. Not yet. I wasn't clean. I was still talking. Sorry, I thought you were just cutting a Riddle program. That's all I hear when Riddle talks. Ziggler and Rude beat the Street Profits when Montez Ford got distracted because Omos' music's hit. Uh, Omos laid everyone out uh, except for Orton, who was like, oh, I'm going to 
go after you, and then they just cut to the back for no apparent bloody reason. But enough all that. It's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five star review review. Nailed it. Who do you think cares about the recap? And this week's five star review. Who, who, who are you doing that for? Is brought to you by Gary Moore. Did we have Adam Moore last week? We I might have been another. Gary Moore. Yeah, Gary Moore. Um, Dark thin Lizzie, isn't it? I don't know, but Gary's emailed me. Thanks for listening. Um, if you you're to, awesome. I really like it, Lizzie. If you want to suggest something <laughs> short, you're live. Short grab and wrestling related for us to review instead of a god awful raw segment or match. Uh, make sure you subscribe to what. <laughs> make sure you subscribe to what culture I think on iTunes and leave us a five star review. It wasn't even that Gary Moore. Uh, but if you haven't got that, you can always email me your five star review. Please try and leave us a review oh, on yeah. iTunes. It does help for the number one wrestling podcast. It's in all the UK. about algorithms. Um, you can email me adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. That's exactly what Gary's done. Uh, he writes Hi, guys. Uh, we all love a wrestling wedding for this week's five star review review. Can you please review Taz's announcement at Brock Hogan and Bully Ray's wedding? Uh, from January 2013 on TNA. I seem to remember this one more than others, but this was a real shot, which was good for the Aces and Eight storyline, a lot better than some of the bad ones. Thank you, Gary. Thank you for the five-star review review, Gary. Uh, Hamlet, take us back to 2013 TNA and the Aces and Eight storyline. Yeah, I would say the last um, attempt of TNA, when it was still called TNA, to grab any attention was the Aces and Eight storyline, for better and worse, because so much of it was terrible. And there's more time on podcast to cover this, uh, hopefully, in the future. Because it's Hey, a, if anyone wants to suggest maybe the reveal oh. of the leader of Aces and Eights for next week's five-star review, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com or iTunes, What Culture Wrestling. It would be worthwhile and timely. It was, um, at points, truly dreadful. But then, a lot of the times, TNA was dreadful, but in a very watchable way. And I would consider this wedding part of that. Um, Bully Ray, this version of Bubba Ray Dudley that had ultimately um, lived up or lived down to people's expectations of him as this arsehole. Loads of wrestlers in shoot promos, in books, in various other comments that just said, didn't like him. Like, awful guy to be around in the locker room. Hard work. Looks like a guy that'd be hard work, doesn't he? Like the, oh, Bully Ray? Yeah. Such an obnoxious prick. Like, you know that scene in, you know that scene in This Is England where Combo's just gotten out of prison and he turns up at the party and the whole vibe is gone? Like, Bully Ray not coming for work points and then turn up last minute would potentially ruin the whole night, wouldn't it? And the Bully Ray character specifically tapped into that. No longer did you have to cheer for this, like, like nostalgia-driven love you had for the Dudleys. You could just really hate this guy that was really good at playing into it as well. Genuinely worked himself up to being a top-line guy. Yeah. I remember when the Dudleys were getting signed back in WWE and most people were like, yeah, Devon's all right. Give Bully Ray a go. Why yeah. not? He's figured himself out. He's found himself. Why not give him a run? And they never did. Um, and this was at the point at which he turned babyface to help the Hogans stave off the threat of Aces and Eight. And in case we do get more of that, it's probably best leaving that there because there was a lot more to say on Aces and Eight. So leave us a five-star review. There's more of an opportunity to talk about it because that takes us to a wedding, a wrestling wedding. Yes. So uh, everyone except the bride and the father of the bride are in the ring. They say Bully Ray's there at the altar with his extreme groomsmen. Uh, and uh, Brooke Hogan gets described as the shining star attraction of this wedding. Nothing like a bit of nepotism <laughs> in wrestling. Um, so, I do, do you know, I still remember Brian Alvarez describing this thing happening. 
about how Brooke walks down the ramp and then she looks back. No Hogan. That's been the story of the show. Uh, and I believe Ten Tanae even shouts when when Hogan comes out on Brooke Hogan's wedding. When the Hulkster comes out, he goes, "Oh, we finally got the answer to the all important <laughs> question." Yeah, that's what this day is all about. Yeah, it's a big day. Every day is a big day. <laughs> Every day is Hulk Hogan's big day. <laughs> so she's looking back, no Hulk, no Hulk, and then she just looks back and goes, "I remember Alvarez going." She with the look that just says. Figures. <laughs> and then she goes to walk down the aisle. Huge bat, though, because Hulk Hogan comes she from a She feels the gel of suntan in the crack of her arse. Dad's here. <laughs> so Hulk comes out. He's dressed in a tux. He can reach your arse. Like, I can I stand here right now if there were, in fact, a tanning lotion or a sun cream in this office. I could whip down my jeans. I could go... And just yeah. do my own art. It'd be weirder if I said, I got this. I got this. <laughs> I can't do my shoulder blades very well. Or like the middle of my yeah. back. Yeah. Do the small of your back. Like if you're going to do that. Like, you don't want to miss somewhere. You don't want to get sunburned. Frank Coeck on. And guess what? She missed it. And I got sunburned the last time I went <laughs> But was it a cock shape that you missed it on purpose? But that's the area you can't do yourself. Yeah. Do your arse Hulk. <laughs> anyway. Hulk. <laughs> Hulk uh, gets in the ring, the fans, fans chant, shake his hand, and he doesn't offer his hand, and, well, Bully Ray doesn't go for it because he knows where the hand's been. Um, and, uh, <laughs> he wanted it, though. He wanted yeah. to marry it. The, uh, the priest says, who presents this woman? And Hulk goes, I do, brother. Oh, he doesn't say the brother pop, but uh, <laughs> someone in the crowd goes, don't do it, which <laughs> popped me. I didn't write down everything the preacher says. It's wedding. It's Boilerplate wedding 101 stuff, this. Yeah, it is. And I love Hulk Hogan's face with the duration. Oh, it's incredible. He's obviously looking up Bully Ray is like, I don't like you. I don't trust you. But in my head, Cannon, he's thinking, why can't it be me? <laughs> when, uh, why can't it be me? When I wasn't looking. Uh, why do Hulk and Vince fancy their own daughters? It, <laughs> it, the stuff they would have talked about in the gym in the year is that would have been the tip of the fucking iceberg, man, honestly. <laughs> no, when I wasn't distracted by the. What was he? He wasn't like a priest or a little fanny until it turns blue. A preacher? Preacher, maybe. I was distracted by how much he looked like um, my chemical romance, Cody Rhodes. I was busy looking at Hulk Hogan. I was distracted by how ugly the audience was. There was some some absolute rotters in there. Imagine if you'd just not finished reading the email. Gary Moore's like, I was there in person, so I'd love you to review it. Just to remind me if my memories are as they were. Just, but you know what? You know what you've just done, Will Bond? People on the fucking holidays. Families that have just gone to Orlando. That was in the impact zone. Free. They're walking down Universal Studios. Do you want to come see a wrestling show? All right. Like eight years later, some guy on a podcast, <laughs> ugly bastard, and you hideous kids. Think about the ones I want. Uh, where weren't on hard cam look like? Yeah, good point. <laughs> so they go to do their. You are members of the cast. We expect <laughs> you to react accordingly. They go to do their vows. Who's Mark? Ooh. Well, the, uh, he's, he's been accused of that plenty of times. <laughs> yeah, go be a fan. <laughs> so, <laughs> Brooke says, How's them podcast charts looking? Brooke says she can't <laughs> believe she's here reciting her vows in the in a wrestling ring with her, uh, but she feels like she's safe with him. He's her best friend. She knows how to make her laugh. <laughs> I don't know what that was <laughs> from her. She said that for some reason. She says she. Everyone's thinking it's a sexual innuendo. It's like that's just crap at acting. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she says she had no idea what she was doing before she met him. She can't imagine her life without him. She loves him. And Bully Ray says, earlier today, I started writing things down. I did like the tease here because we all know, you know, we all think of the Triple H. I see you now as, you know, 
no good lying. And you think maybe he's going down that road because he says, oh, I started writing stuff down. But then I said, I, I thought, you don't deserve words on paper. You deserve words from the heart. It's just to cut it's not a terrible double bluff, this. Bully Ray, knowing at this point where the payoff was going, and, and they did by this point, but we all thought it was coming sooner than it was. Yeah. So this had to happen for us to believe, actually, Bully Ray's an all right guy. Because you're so expecting the turn here. When it doesn't happen, you're like, oh, maybe it's not Bully Ray. Maybe they're going to send us off. And His smile is actually quite well acted. He's doing the, I'm going to like turn heel in just a second smile. He's in an orgasmic he, trance, <laughs> chair, I might say. And then he doesn't turn heel. So it's actually half-decent acting from old Mark here. Quite liked it. Yeah, he, he, he sets it up a couple of times, like I say, when he says, I want to tell you something from the heart. Uh, from the first time I saw you, I knew you were the one. I love the implication, sorry, just to interrupt you one the more time. The implication. That, I was going to you know, write some words down, but, you know, I'm a health promo. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go off script. <laughs> uh, he's different when he's around her. He's happy when he's around her. He wants to make her the happiest person in the world, and he Freaking loves her. Tommy Dreamer's crying at this point. <laughs> Tommy Dreamer's never had dry eyes. <laughs> so the preacher asks if anyone's Apart got from any... on Dog Side of the Ring the one time he should have. <laughs> <laughs> the preacher asks if anyone's got any objections. Fans start shouting, but no one says anything. Uh, and they put on the rings and they say their I do's and the preacher's just about to announce them. Husband and wife and Taz just Galloway grabs the mic. I love Taz so much. He says, oh, I can't let this go on. He says, I've got, I got two questions. You know, I'm, I'm, I've known you a long time, Bully. Uh, are you sure you want to do this right now? And Bully says yes. And he goes, right. Okay, fair enough. Second question. Is it just me? Was it freaking hot in here? <laughs> and he takes off his jacket reveal and reveals a waistcoat <laughs> that has an aces and eights patch on the back, and the crowd see it first. So you get their stunned reaction, and then he turns around to the rest of the wedding guests who can't believe what's going on. Taz just leaves, and then in come all of the members of the aces and eights. They beat everyone down. I didn't even see Sting until he was just laid out on the floor <laughs> at the end of this. Everyone gets beaten down, uh, and they even grab Brooke Hogan and make her watch as they beat up Bully Ray, Hulk Hogan, uh, and Devon just twats his former partner in the head with a statue as well. An epic conclusion, Hamlet. Sometimes you've got to take a couple of shots for the cause. Is their pathetic explanation of this? But otherwise, yeah, um, Taz as the snooker player division of Ace's <laughs> is and Ace. Great, getting that. I love the idea of them going to like the, getting the biker patch stitched. Can you get it into a wedding suit, please? <laughs> we only stitch on leather. My prevailing memory of... From a distance, because I haven't really watched TNA, if I'm being perfectly honest. Like, the good bits and the legendarily bad bits, just to get the, the full picture without the, the minutiae. People were mad on Aces and Eights. I remember this was hot. Like, people mm. were genuinely intrigued. It was like, it really worked for that audience. And in fact, it worked for people who were potentially drawn to it. Mm. And I watched one episode, and I thought, it's a sub-WWE bollocks. It was just when I was getting to New Japan as well, so I just thought, I need an al- this isn't the alternative. I found my alternative. The timelines check out, because I could have gotten into New Japan, but I would discuss before... I saw Lord Tenzai come back, and I thought I'd been lied to about the quality of Japanese wrestling. <laughs> so with TNA, I stuck, and I watched this nonsense instead. So thank you, Albert. So Thanks, head coach Bloom. We go <laughs> watch that Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah, took about four years of Tanahashi's prime off me. Thanks, Albert. <laughs> I'd, re- I'd read years of it. He's awesome. The New Japan Tag Division, he's, he's changed man. Come back. Who the fuck is this one? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll stick with TNA then, shall I? 
So we go to the comment section once again. These do not reflect the views oh, of myself, or Dadly Boys, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. Janine's comments nice. I don't think she's watched the entire video because she wrote, "Your dad Brooke accepted both of you. Be together. Be happy. God bless both of you." <laughs> you know what's the end of this, Janine? Everyone gets laid out. Well, there we go. They've said the I do's. I think I've finished. <laughs> Anyway, um, TK Rex writes in all caps, this storyline is actually making people watch TNA. Was it? <laughs> well, uh, briefly, and it, nothing stuck. No, nothing other than the sh- ever stuck in TNA. What was his name? TK Rex. I mean, he's got a forum history, and he's got a certain energy about the things he likes. I wonder who that could be. Gaming pollution. It's Bobby Fish this week. <laughs> <laughs> Gaming. Uh, I'm a bit bored of him now. Gaming Palooza <laughs> Empire. How long did the marriage last? It was only shot, wasn't it? No days. Shut up, man. <laughs> He's a good man. You don't want to take the piss out of him. Gaming Palooza Empire writes, Aces and Eights debut June, uh, June 14th, 2012. The Shield debut November 18th, 2012. The Shield has absolutely nothing on Aces and Eights. In fact, Aces and Eights is the closest thing to the NWO that has ever existed. The Bullet Club! (laughs) (laughs) And they are becoming better and better. The Shield was actually a modified rip-off of Aces and Eights. What was the date of this comment? Uh, Eight years ago. So was that 2013 or 2012? 2013, because this this happened in January 2013, the wedding. Oh, I'll let him off for early days. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I've just remembered this. Okay, that's the the interesting comment section out of the way. This is the do not reflect the views of myself, the Dally Boys around on what culture wrestling section. Valentina I s- writes, I started to cry when Brooke tried to help up her father. Poor Hulk. But that's not on the clip. It's on the raw version. <laughs> Because Brooke's tits fell out of her dress. <laughs> Come on. Come on, lads. <laughs> Final comment comes from Khan. This is that's the we builds to the final comments. How is that not the final comment? Final comment comes from Khan. Do not replace the user myself with the daddy boys or anyone at what culture wrestling. Look at the bazookas on Brooke Hogan and Velvet Sky. <laughs> Come on, it's, uh, it's Brooke Hogan's big take, don't you, Velvet? Come off it, man. These people, like, just have a wank. <laughs> yeah, you're, like, you're on the wrong bit of the internet. Like, <laughs> so thanks to Gary Moore for suggesting that. I don't even that. touch my cock. <laughs> I, don't actually, I don't actually touch my cock until I watch the bully Ray Brooke Hogan wedding. <laughs> Come on, and his mate is talking. You see him back last night? Bazookas. <laughs> Bazookas days. <laughs> you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling, just like Gary did. Uh, maybe even the reveal of the leader of Aces and Eights for, for next week, for example. Yeah. What cool dressing, wherever you get your podcasts from. Leave no, us on f- iTunes, sorry. <laughs> Leave us five stars because the Aces and Eights angle could have done with them. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Knox not a big enough star. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, or, or if you want to just email it to me, uh, along with leaving us a review on iTunes, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. Uh, right, where are we? Back on Monday Night Raw. Kevin Patrick uh, is interviewing <laughs> Damien Priest. Uh, he talks about showing a different side last week. He said, uh, I've tried to keep that side of me at bay, but uh, T-Bar forced me to go to a dark place. <laughs> it's, it's just the, 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 the script that they got rid of before they gave the one to Edge from uh, the bill <laughs> to, to Crown Jewel, I think. Uh, he warned T-Bar. Vince has had this one of those moments where he realizes, doesn't he, that he's going to see the 
Damien side of him tonight. What's happened here? He's gone, Raj. He snapped. Why? He T-Bar brought out the dark side of him. He uh, there was a, a smoz finish last week, and Damien Priest was so annoyed that he did the. He chucked a chair at him. Yeah. He's not what's raw. <laughs> He's not well, lived his own life. As we all know, moment. Sige, Damien Priest, in the words of Corey Graves, is the walking embodiment of the eternal battle between good and evil. <laughs> Vince McMahon's absolutely wanked himself daft over that. He's, po- he's popped on. Vince thought he fired Moro. He's popped on to the Brooke Hogan Bully Ray wedding, and then he's just gone into this and thought, that's class. Jesus Christ. <laughs> just imagine, you know those old stories of like, apparently how there's monitors on. In wartime wrestling, there'll be a monitor of the other show on. At Vince's desk, he's just watching old TNA clips on YouTube. Bruce is over, and I booked that. <laughs> We'll do this. Yeah, pretty good, pal. <laughs> uh, again, though, a good, you know, the, the the mask slips slightly and you see the Dominic Dijakovic behind T-Bar. He hit a bloody Samoan drop off the top uh, as we went to break, which I thought looked really, really good. Uh, and then he wraps Damian Priest in the ropes. This is an ODQ match, of course. Uh, goes under the ring, uh, hoists some chairs in there and then pulls out a kendo stick that he breaks over the uh, the washboard abs of Damien Priest, just smashes this kendo stick until it disintegrates, basically. Uh, but Priest snaps again, fires up, gets out the ropes, clothesline, and then just breaks this chair repeatedly over T-Bar, chokeslams him out of the ring into a table that's been set up earlier on in the match, and then hits the reckoning for the victory. Post-match, Apollo, Cree- Apollo Crews comes out with Commander Aziz and says they're here to breathe new life into Raw, and uh, they're going to meet in combat, and he'll take the US title. Putting that to one side, a wild old no-DQ match, and what do you make to this new side of Damien? Because of the thing, Priest. It's lame. It's very, very, very lame. This match was so gratuitously, pointlessly violent, and I got into it because I'm a ghoul, but at the same time, it's really worth it. That's the same. It's also interesting to think T-Bar's done in about three years, so possibly... Uh, look, it was stupid. It was pointless. I get a little... I'm a ghoul, right? Love out-violent me in my wrestling. But like, I get a little bit like, oh, come on, what's the point? You want it's T-Bar? When they do the chair attack, that WWE loves this chair attack, how many of them have just written away <laughs> in your memory? And I'll picture the cameraman now as well. You know when you've seen enough yeah. people's in arena phone videos hey, of the nodding hey, cameraman? Hey, yeah. Hey, uh, When they start like whacking them on like the arms and the fingers mm. to make it look like more unbridled in its rage, it's because you can't knock the fucking head off. Yeah, yeah. That's like, it. Just do the back, 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 back. <laughs> do they like, do the elbows and their forearms yeah, and their hands? Yeah, it just looks hands. rough. Like, it just looks rough. Like remember when I was a shanky of you? McIntyre did this. A shanky. Oh, yeah, you'd you'd never like remember that. Shots. You'd never remember that in a million years. Just like you won't remember this. Mm-hmm. I like. This match made it harder than last week for me to, I think you might miss this, Sige, to mock that incredibly earnest and well-intended tweet. And here I am, a dickhead on a podcast, taking the piss out of it. But you had Damien Priest and T-Bar last week. And obviously, uh, Bearcat had a big night last week as well. So somebody Where's he gone? somebody tweeted the image of that takeover Tampa Bay triple threat, you know, when they did the moment between them. And it was like... I need this on Raw. So <laughs> I often don't. <laughs> I don't want a reminder of that period of my life ever I again. I am limitless. <laughs> <laughs> but I am a bad <laughs> But this match made it harder to mock that because it it, it was gratuitous, but it sort of wasn't bad. Mm. Like, they put the backs into it. Um, Damien Priest, 
is maybe the closest equivalent I can think of in WWE to the just a adoration that like I like uh, Jericho versus Lambert enough, but I don't love it as much as those AEW crowds. Yes, and Damian Priest is that in WWE. Mm. I like Damian Priest, and I kind of want it to work for him because he just continues to jump over the crocodiles' mouths like somehow in this in this run. The fans really like him. So the fact that he walks through Gorilla and is tall and jacked and then gets a response for any old nonsense, and it's all mostly been nonsense, bodes pretty well. Yeah. Like, I mentioned it with Balor and Gable earlier on. Neither of them two, you're like, oh, maybe they're going to line them up for the Rumble. Maybe Damian Priest is somebody to line up for the Rumble. <laughs> like, maybe they might be thinking Damian Priest, biggie. That doesn't feel anywhere near, like, WrestleMania-worthy, but who knows in three mm, months. What because is? Because I true, and they've just not fans have just not given up on Damian Priest, so it's probably good that WWE haven't either. Uh, right, I'll rush through these last bits before we get to the main event because yeah, we've been going quite do. long here. Uh, do. Some twenty four seven bollocks, and John Morrison's meditating in the back. Uh, Becky Lynch dismisses the fact that she cheated to win and says it's time for Belair to step aside and she get a new opponent. And here comes Liv Morgan. Maybe we'll discuss that on the Raw preview next week. And uh, Rollins offers to help Owens, and Owens pretends be flattered by it all and then says piss off uh and Rollins says well you keep fighting I'll just keep winning uh, and then we got Kevin Owens versus Big E in the main event early on Big E goes for a big ending uh but gets reversed uh and hit with a reverse DDT uh from Kevin Owens I really enjoyed these two in the ring together uh Owens knocks Big E uh with a senton off the apron hits another senton rough looking senton on the outside uh, this brings out Seth Rollins. He comes out to his music. We go to a break, and he's sat ringside watching this near the end. Uh, Owens hits a superplex um, as we come back, but Big E no-sells uh, the clotheslines that follow from Kevin Owens. They just keep smashing into each other. Uh, Big E then blocks a stunner, hits a belly-to-belly, uh, but Owens gets out of the way of a splash, super kicks him, cannonball, flying sent on again, gets a near fall off that. Big E, though, fights back, uh, hits a Uranagi. Uh, Owens goes for a splash, but Big E gets his knees up uh, and hits that insane running dive through the ropes. And then uh, I think Owens maybe gets... No, E gets sent into the corner, and as he's coming out, they sort of bonk heads. Uh, Owens is selling it, goes down. The referee goes to check on him, and Rollins pops up from ringside and just twats Big E, who's sort of laying in the ropes. Owens realizes what's happened, but... Takes the opportunity, goes for the cover, thinks he can maybe steal one against the WWE champion, but Big E uh, reverses it into a crucifix pin and gets the victory. Post-match, Big E is not happy. He is understandably a bit pissed off with Kevin Owens uh, for, for what, you know, trying to capitalize on what Rollins did. But Owens gets a mic and says, look, I didn't see what happened. I apologize for anything like that. You know, it wasn't intentional, the head... Head clash, etc. He blames Rollins. He calls him a son of a bitch, uh, and he challenges him to a match next week. And uh, he tries to apologise. Tries to put out the olive branch to uh, did that on Biggie. <laughs> and uh, Biggie, it's a bit of a dick, if I'm honest. But then it's kind of explained by what you said, Sige, because he just. Uh, as Owens goes to put his hand on his shoulder, Biggie grabs him, lifts him up, and hits him with a big ending to close the show. I would like to think that one, and this is just the case of WWE where it doesn't really happen, I would like to think that one historical event logically preceded another in that Big E realises that you can't trust Kevin Owens one bit. He, in fact, turned on his best mate, Kofi Kingston. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit. Reaching, bro. 
Like that's when I was got off the Yanks on Twitter when I say something nice about Kenny Omega. <laughs> reaching about a WWE development here. But, you know, they do have history. If anything of this matters, Big E would not, in fact, trust Kevin Owens. He knows not to trust him for the guts of the match because he knows what's going on. What's Seth Rollins doing? What's, what's, what's his stake in all this? Why is he potentially dragging somebody else into the title picture? Triple threats are harder to win. We know this. Michael mm. Cole's told me so many times. <laughs> so what's he doing? What's he doing? I don't understand that at all. If the idea was he was happy to let Owens and Big E fight earlier in the night because it means that he's theoretically fresher for when that match that he's in contention for does happen. The match itself, the grafted... I don't think it was blow away good, but it was good. There was some pretty egregious bump and feed selling, I thought, at some points. I've got a, a total agenda against bump and feed selling. Because mm, it's what every WWE wrestler is trained to do. To it's what every WWE wrestler is trained to do, and it's what every WWE e-drone yeah, dis disregards when people say, oh, young books don't sell. That is absolutely how Pritchard defines what a good wrestler is. Yes, I bump and yeah. feed. Like that's all he's ever known as how to define whether or not a wrestler's any good or not. How quick are you back up off your back? And I don't mind it because it's sort of... Hogan made him all that money in the 80s, didn't yeah. he? So like <laughs> I, I don't mind it because I've just... I didn't even think it was bad until I got pointed out. It was like 10 years ago. I had the bump and feel. Like, oh, yeah, it's absolutely the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and when I see a glaring version of it, it just passes me by mostly. But I thought it was pretty egregious here. Yeah, I didn't have a lot to say about... It's, it's sort of the opposite of the opener. I liked some of the story being told here between Owens and... Owens is this baby face that's on a bit of a knife edge and Big E as the clever baby face, the clever world champion. And to Cedric's point, I don't think you are reaching because as always, the New Day, the rule proven exception, that they get to do the stuff they do with a bit of autonomy is unusual, but they're allowed to do it. That they can reference each other as friends no matter what show they're on because it just turns out that you can have friends in real life and indeed that you can remember your own stories and you can remember when things have gone wrong for your character at one point. Um, not least when it's put in front of you in the body of a match. It's not just a thing that's happened independent of anything else. It's happened because Seth's done it in front. Big E is not stupid. And I like getting, I like a babyface champion being booked. They did this with Drew sometimes where they kept the credibility because they weren't going to be, they weren't going to like fart on with WWE silliness. WWE silliness, which was otherwise Seth Rollins' involvement in this match. Absolute autopilot WWE nonsense. They do that stuff without thinking even why they do it. They're just so used to doing it. There was no logical reason for Seth Rollins to be out there rabble-rousing. It's just all they know what to do. He has. It's not a briefcase, but it's nearly as good. Mm. That contract in his hand should just be him sitting on this title shot until he gets it and hoping in the meantime, Big E or whomever else is in that title picture beats themselves. Like, beats I like how they've up. developed a proper title shot now. Of course I have. Yeah. Why didn't they do this years ago? Because right. they love it. It's like, it's just, it's easier for, what it goes back to that thing, doesn't it? If, oh, if you've never watched Raw, you're keeping up with the story straight away. The guy out there with a the red clipboard is the number one contender and look at him in the mix. Never seen it. Now it makes total sense because we make this program for somebody that's never watched before rather than the people might want to keep up every week. Um, so yeah, not like a great deal to say about the match, but I genuinely quite like mm. Big E hitting him with the big ending because it's just, I don't know, is it, it because if he didn't do it this week, he would have to acknowledge it next week because he would have to be like, well, I watched. I'm not like pig thick. I'm the WWE champion. I watched what happened and you took an advantage there. I like that he's addressed that already mm. and we don't need to pretend that it didn't happen. It's not the ultimate warrior in Hulk Hogan's mirror, is it? <laughs> Big E's dealt with the problem straight away and I like a champion with agency, so I, I didn't mind that at all. 
Well, let us know your thoughts on that and all of uh, Monday Night Raw on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at WhatCulture.BigCartel.com because I did tree puns during Sidgwick's plug. Follow Michael Sidgwick at Michael Hamflit because I'm a nice guy. <laughs> and you can follow me at Adam Wilbur. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling uh, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Got the NXT 2.0 oh! review coming later on huh? today. And uh, huh? whilst you're on huh? iTunes, you can leave us a five star review uh, to uh, get your thing read out when we skip an awful raw segment or match. Or if you want to just email it to me, maybe around the reveal of the leader of races and eight, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com, just like Gary Moore did today. Thank you so much for that, Gary. Uh, and thanks to you for joining us. Thanks to the Dadly Boys. And we will see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.